Hello, listeners. This is Sabelle Taylor, and this is KUCI Office Hours. I have a pre-recorded show for you today. I just wanted to add that my guest was Alexa Romich, and she is under the research lab of Dr. Diane O'Dowd. Also, our next guest for next week will be Sarah Rodriguez, the director of the upcoming UCI drama production, The Penelope Ad. Enjoy the show. Hello, listeners. This is Sibel Kaler, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Office Hours, the show where I bring you the latest cutting-edge stories in science, arts, and the humanities from researchers right here at UCI. Today I have with me today Alexa Romich, a grad student from UCI's Department of um, Cell and Developmental Biology, here to talk about her research on epilepsy. Alexa, I'm so glad to have you here on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Um, so for starters, would you like to tell us um, just a general summary of your research? Yes. Okay. So I want to make sure I set this up right. So our lab studies epilepsy, which is when someone has seizures or uncontrollable firing of cells in the brain. And seizures by themselves can be very dangerous, but epilepsy can also be associated with um, movement disorders, developmental delays, and other very serious symptoms. And one of the complicated things about epilepsy is that it has many different general causes, so like uh, a stroke or head injury or genetic mutation, and also many specific causes. So what is actually happening in the brain to cause the seizures? And the cause of the seizures changes how a person with epilepsy responds to medication and treatment. So we really need to know why someone is having seizures, and in many cases, we don't. And that's where my lab comes in. That's so interesting. What are the some of the different causes of seizures you often see? Right. So our lab um, actually studies just one protein in the brain that is really important for uh, action potentials or those electrical messages that are sent throughout the brain. And um, if that protein doesn't work properly, then you can have seizures. There can be um, different proteins in the brain that can cause seizures. There can be um, errors and connections between the brain that cause seizures. So there really is a lot of different causes. And you really need to get into the specifics to um, pinpoint a treatment that will work with somebody. Wow, that sounds very complicated. How did you initially get involved in this project? So I actually came to graduate school thinking that I uh, really wanted to work with um, stem cells. And I I tried out a couple labs, and um, the lab that I'm in, the O'Dowd lab, has Drosophila, or fruit flies. And I never thought about working with them before, but they're actually really cool (laughs) because... Um, So you know how I'm saying that we really need to see what's going on in someone's brain to figure out why they have seizures. Well, you can't go into a person's brain. (laughs) But with fruit flies, you can. So 
fruit flies are this really cool model system. They have really fun uh, genetics. You can do behavioral tests with them. And then importantly for my research, I can go into their living brains and figure out why they're having seizures. Wow. So by going into the brains, do you mean um, analyzing the the cells or like doing sort of a surgery? Yeah, kind of. Um, the basically what we do is we go into the the fly brain and we use this teeny tiny electrode to essentially lock onto one cell in the fly brain and then we record its activity. So if you've ever seen um, like a, a heart rate monitor or something with the like spikes that, you know, go like beep, beep, I essentially see that but for a cell in the fly brain. Interesting. That's I can't believe that that's um, possible. That's astounding. Um, when I told some people about your research, they were sometimes um, were like, how does this relate to a human? Like, why are we studying this in flies? But I would imagine it's a pretty good system to um, apply it to human medicine. Right. So um, that is one thing that always surprises people that I tell too. But the I should back up a little bit. And this wouldn't work for everything, but for our research, we decided we can't look. I mean, there's so many different types of epilepsy, and we can't look at all of them. But what scientists do is you pick an example to try to get at the problem better. So what we did was we looked at mutations that actual humans have that cause epilepsy. And then we used a technique called CRISPR that I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with, but it's essentially like scissors that cut and paste DNA. And so we used that method to give the flies the same type of epilepsy that people have because this protein that we're looking at is so fundamental to life that basically all animals have it. So it's so um, evolutionarily important. It's so fundamental for nervous system functioning that basically all animals have this protein. So flies have it, people have it, cats have it. And so we put the epilepsy-causing mutations into the flies, and our flies have seizures. Wow. Just like the people do. Yeah, I've heard that CRISPR has um, science fiction potentials for what it could do. It it does, theoretically. I always laugh when I see um, the the like popular science articles about um, designer babies and things because while it is theoretically possible and we definitely should keep it in mind when we're talking about ethics and things like that, the technology is not there yet. So it's it's like hard to do and you know, you you're not gonna be able to CRISPR yourself anytime soon. But we are able to use it in the lab to give fruit flies epilepsy, which is which is pretty crazy. That is a bit of a relief that it can't be used for extreme purposes and also really inspiring to know that it's being used for um, such groundbreaking medical research. Um, what, what would be a typical day like working on this project? Okay, so 
basically, um, I would come in in the morning and I would make all these solutions and that takes about an hour and a half. And then I would get to the fun part. Um, so I dissect the fly brain under a microscope and then, um, basically find this the cell that we're looking for and uh it's called patching we patch onto it it's basically like we suction onto this one cell in the fly brain and then we watch its activity and um our, for our flies with epilepsy a lot of times as you can imagine that the cell that we're looking at is behaving really weirdly and so then we want to um, analyze, you know, that's what scientists do. We try to analyze, like, precisely how weird is this <laughs> mathematically. Um, and so I'll do that for a while. Oh, or I can do some behavioral studies where um, the, the seizures that these flies have are um, mainly heat-induced. So I'll essentially... Uh, put the the flies in like a plastic vial and dip them in a hot water bath and then we record like with a um, a camera record them having seizures so that we can analyze it later and because we are trying to figure out okay why are the flies having seizures and then what medications would help with flies with those mutations I also feed the flies medicines and then see are they still having seizures or what's happening in their brain now. Wow. That must be really hard to isolate a specific cell. How many cells would you say are in a fly's brain? Um, there's about 100,000. So it's way smaller than, um, way fewer than how many cells the human brain has. And Fortunately, we know a specific population of cells that we're going for. So we're looking at this um, population of cells that really is um, like a main breaking system for part of the fly brain. Because the problem with seizures is that it's the brain firing out of control. And so we are looking at essentially the, the breaking system that helps slow the activity of the brain down. And so I, I know where those cells are roughly every time. And so now, and I, I'm, I've been doing this for, for years now, so now I know where the cells are that I'm going to. But it is, it is weird that we are looking at one cell at a time. That is unbelievable. Um, what safety or uh, unique challenges does working with live animals present um, have you done this before in past research, and how does it compare to working with other organisms? Right. So um, before I got to grad school, I did a couple research internships, and they were mostly all with cell lines, which um, can can be really cool, and that research is really valuable. But I found that the the flies are are fun because you can do behaviors with them. I mean, even though it's it's a fly, it still has, right? You can observe it having seizures. You can um, look at their their movement more specifically in like a, a climbing assay. You can look at their, their sleep cycles even. Um, and I think that it is really fun. And then also I'm happy that I don't work with 
uh, mice or some of those other animals because um, it, it's really important to help us find cures for diseases, but I just feel more comfortable working with the flies. Uh, they're a lot easier to take care of, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, are there past studies with similar methods that you're drawing on? Yeah, so that is one thing that a lot of people don't know about fruit fly research is that um, it's been going on for a long time. And in fact, two years ago, I think, um, there were three different uh, researchers that won the Nobel Prize for their work on um, circadian rhythms, so like sleep and wake cycles, with, and a lot of their research was done with fruit flies. Um, so it's, it's a very um, accessible organism, and yeah, there, there are other uh, labs that have epilepsy models. There's also been um, Parkinson's models for fruit flies and Huntington's disease and Fragile X, and I think it's just really fascinating because you can look at the living brain of a fly, which is something that's really hard. You can't go into a person or even even a mouse and look at their whole brain while it's alive. And you can with the flies. Right. I never would have imagined that some of the same diseases that are the most serious for us humans are also affecting a fruit fly. Yeah. I mean, we... um, we're a little mean in that we are giving them the diseases, but they do show signs, which which is crazy. I agree. That part is absolutely mind-boggling that these these fruit flies would have seizures if we give them a mutation that people have that's causing epilepsy. Right. What? <laughs> How many researchers do you work with on your team? So um, my lab has, I don't want to forget anybody, uh, I think we have about eight people, but it's just uh, myself and an undergrad actually that are working on the fruit fly part. So our lab also has um, cells uh, in like Petri dishes and uh, mouse models. And so we do that to come at this problem of epilepsy from different angles because you can do things in mice that you can't do in in flies or cells or you know vice versa but yeah it's just myself and a really awesome undergrad who uh, is working on this part that's so cool uh what medical implications exactly um does this have for humans obviously the implications are huge but um, are there certain medicines that you're testing that are currently like about to go to market for humans so this one I think might interest some college students where the the next thing that I'm going to do in the lab is we're actually going to test CBD. So the um, cannabidiol, the, the part of uh, the marijuana plant that's not the THC component that gets people high. Um, and this has been huge in the field of epilepsy research lately. Um, so if if your listeners have ever heard of the Charlotte's Web strain or anything or all the um, families that were moving to Colorado because that's where marijuana was first made legal, um, it's it's because for some, some kids with this really severe type of epilepsy, the type of epilepsy that we actually study in our lab, the, the CBD really almost cures or really helps 
these kids and we don't really know why. So we know that it's working, but we have no idea like why it's working. Um, and that is one of the cool things about using fruit flies, right, is that I can feed the flies the CBD, see if it helps their seizures. And if it does, now I can go into their brain and see what's changing in the brain that's maybe helping them. Wow, that is fascinating. I've heard so much about CBDs lately. Like you can't walk through a mall without yeah. seeing them. But it's interesting because I always wondered what are the actual uh, medical like implications and how much of it is true. And that's amazing to hear that it has such effects. Well, because a lot of the I mean, a lot of the research we we still don't know. Um, in fact, so the the type of epilepsy that you might hear about on the news with, you know, they're pretty sad and, and these, these children are having seizures pretty much nonstop and it's really, you know, impacting their quality of life and their families. And there really was no medication that was working for them. Uh, and then in, I think it was just in 2018, in the summer, the FDA approved the first medication specifically for kids with this type of epilepsy, and it's called Epidiolex, and it's a CBD-based medicine. And so there have been the, the tests to show that it's it's working in those children, but once again, what's happening in their brain? A lot of times you don't know. You just know that a medication works and that, you know, it's so helpful to the families that then people are are taking these medicines but we all I mean we want to know why so that's the thing I'm really excited about is I'm going to give my flies CBD and then see what happens in their brain wow that is so exciting especially because CBD is just a natural compound from a plant and -hmm. to think that like you don't even have to make a new drug it's just naturally occurring that's really cool Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of times they when uh, researchers are looking for new medications, they'll try compounds that we already know exist, right? It's, it's way easier to do that than try to synthesize a brand new compound. So one of the things that we're also trying is that there's um, uh, a chemical that's in sunscreen, actually, uh, called avobenzone, which you might have heard of in the news because it's really not good for the coral reefs. But... Uh, uh, one of our our colleagues found that it actually really helped in a fly model of epilepsy that they had. Interesting. Helped control the seizures. And so, right, you don't necessarily think, I mean, right, that's that's not a medication that humans are currently taking for the treatment of epilepsy, but why not try it? Yeah, I never would have thought that. Uh, Are there any other diseases that insight from this research um, could possibly be applied to? So one of the things that we are really trying to do is understand um, how these drugs are impacting seizures, yes, but also the uh, firing of cells in the brain. And so that's important for I mean, all kinds of neurological disorders. I would say that one of the things you do want to be careful of as a scientist is is making like, too broad of generalization. So a lot of my work is really looking at this specific type 
of epilepsy. Um, but what I hope is that our findings in the flies then we will discuss with the larger community of epilepsy researchers, right? So like, what did you see in mice? What did you see in human cells? And, and how can that kind of push forward um, possibly a new treatment or better understanding for humans with epilepsy? So that's where I would start. But then, of course, anything that helps us understand how the brain works is going to be really important or like how this CBD is impacting the brain. That's right. going to be important for a lot of things. Yeah. Do you plan to continue in this line of research after grad school, or will you go into a different topic? Right. So I haven't totally decided yet. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the things that I absolutely love is teaching. So I've uh, TA'd several times um, for uh, the intro biology course here, and I do want to continue teaching in the future. Uh, but I also find using these, quote-unquote, simple animal models for neurological diseases is, like, my jam. <laughs> so um, I would stay with flies totally. I never thought that I would be, like, a fly queen, but I am. Uh, but also there's these teeny tiny worms called C. elegans that you can also study neurological disorders with. Um, and so I'm probably flies, though. I'll probably stick with fruit flies and do some kind of neurological disorder study, not necessarily epilepsy, but maybe um, Huntington's or something like that. That's amazing. Uh, there's only like a few of those like major diseases that we're still struggling with. And to think that you could have such a profound impact on those um, brain diseases is really amazing. Yeah, I... It, the the unfortunate thing is that scientists are really good at curing animals and that's it doesn't usually even translate so like mice have been cured or at least treated for alzheimer's disease many many times but the difficult thing is is that no animal model is perfect and it is really hard to make that jump Right. from a different animal to a treatment that's going to work in humans. Uh, and so if we can come at the problem from so many different angles, even with a fruit fly, you know, maybe we'll learn something that can help. Yeah. I mean, I guess with humans, it's a lot more complexity to deal with. There is. So just to give you a little hint of the complexity, the the protein that my lab studies is called a voltage-gated sodium channel, and there's only one in the flies. So we know that the, the changes that we're seeing in our cells are due to the mutations in that one voltage-gated sodium channel. But humans have nine, and there can be interactions between them. And so it is a lot more difficult to figure out the impact of mutations in one sodium channel when you have kind of nine in play versus flies where it is more simplified and you just have one. Right. So, but, but that's why you use these model organisms is because if you, you can't answer the question necessarily with all nine in play, but if you make it simpler, if you use a fruit fly that has fewer cells and, uh, simpler system, 
you can get answers that should help you as you move to like more and more complex animals and humans. Right. Kind of like working out like a basic math problem and then you apply the algebra to it. Yeah. It no, it's exactly like that. It's or at least some kind of working template before you get into something more complicated. Wow, that is really exciting. Uh, what advancements in this field do you predict in the next several years? Oh, boy. Um, I think that people are going to continue to look at um, CBD and some of these other quote-unquote like miracle cures um, and, and also try to figure out, I mean, besides the CBD, I talked about that a lot because that's kind of the sexy science right now, but there are a lot of other anti-epileptic drugs that are on the market that work for some people and not for others. And so the field is trying to figure out why, why do they work for some people and not for others? And can we um, predict which medicines are going to work for specific people so that they don't have to go through this very unfun guessing game of which medicine might work for me if I have epilepsy. So I think I think that's something that we're going to try to hammer out as a as a field. Yeah, I hope that I'm very hopeful that that will advance a lot. How can our listeners contribute to sort of scientific literacy and advancement and just stay informed about these things? Uh, science literate, uh, just um, being scientifically literate is very important, especially right now. Um, th- I think that even if, if someone is not really interested in, you know, taking a scientific course or anything, there are a lot of popular scientists that are trying to bring that information out there. So I don't know the name, but I know there's um there's even like a, a Bill Nye the Science Guy show on net. Netflix, Netflix yeah. right? I think, and I, I should watch it, but I haven't. <laughs> but I know that one of my friends who, who's a graduate student here at UCI was actually on an episode. Wow. Talking about her uh, addiction research. And so people, people like Bill Nye can really, you know, help talk about science in an in, in interesting and accessible way. But yeah, I think, um, I mean, if, if, people are listening to your show that's already going to be a, a great start because how many of you knew that flies have some of the same proteins that people do exactly i had no idea um and lastly our time's almost up but before we leave do you have any advice to young scientists in like their careers or what like specifically um i would say just encouraging a young person who is interested in pursuing science okay so if you're interested in pursuing scientific research in particular the one thing that I have to say is that it's um not as many eureka moments as you think so just this is something that I have to work on myself but just being really patient and know that a lot of progress that you make is going to be in smaller increments, but that everybody in the science field making small increments together leads to those big discoveries. So 
Try not to get discouraged if things don't work right away because they usually don't. And just, you know, try to be patient and keep getting things to work. And uh, people all over the world are working on issues with you. So, you know, it is it is about teamwork and collaboration and everyone making small progress together to have those like big discoveries that we need for the world and for human health and all of that. Right. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for coming and being on the show today. It was yeah. great having you. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. Uh, definitely. Um, so listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, our social media is on Instagram and Twitter at KUCIFM, or you can visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI889, or just go to our website at KUCI.org to see all the program schedules. Some events coming up at UCI to be aware of. Um, we have a blood donation currently in Southern California, a blood shortage. So if you can, stop by the UCI Blood Donation Center if you would like to and help out. That's always needed. Um, also, on Monday at the Irvine Barclay Theater at UCI, to anyone who is interested, we have a lecture on the brain, this very topic, featuring Dr. Patricia Churchland. Um, that's all for today. Before we leave, our outro song is My Favorite Faded Fantasy by Damien Rice. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day. Stay curious and be kind to each other out there. Thanks. This is Office Hours signing off. I'd hope that As a reminder, that guest was Alexa Romich, a grad student at UCI's Cell and Developmental Biology Department. She works under the lab of Dr. Diane O'Dowd, O'Dowd a faculty a member at UCI. Next week, as a reminder, our guest will be Sarah Rodriguez, the director of the upcoming UCI drama production, The Penelope Thank you so much for tuning in, listeners, and have a great day.